I don't know whether you're um, similar to us, but we have Christmas traditions which we've created for our family. And one of our Christmas traditions is that the youngest or the younger two in our family hand out presents on Christmas Day. So all the gifts are under the tree and then the youngest one goes and looks who's it's for and takes the presents round to everyone. Well, of course, this year, um, Joshua, well, he's always the youngest, but, you know, this year he was old enough to take part in this little tradition. And so he started off and he went under the tree. Of course, he can't read, so he'd take the stuff to all of us and we'd read out the name. And he started handing out the presents. So there's one for my dad, one for my mum, one for me, one for James, one for Simon, one for my mum, one for me, one for Simon, one for James, one for my dad. At this point, Joshua's going, is there any for me? I'm like, yes, yes, darling, there's loads for you. Another one for James, another one for James. At this point, I'm looking at Simon going, did we, we did put presents under there for Joshua? One for my dad, one for, two for my sister. Oh, at least she got some, that's good. Then another one for Simon, and Joshua's looking more and more grumpy. If you know Joshua, you know he gets a lip on him. He has a, so he's like, mm, mm. And then it got to, you know, most of us had got quite a bundle of presents and he'd got none. And I'm going, Simon, did we? Have we forgotten about Joshua? I'm sure we remembered that we'd got two children. And then eventually he hit back of the tree, goes right under, comes out with his whole pile of presents. Oh, this is for Joshua, this is for Joshua, this is for Joshua. I'm like, oh, thank goodness. I didn't forget my child. And he was happy. We were all happy. We had the presence that we desired. But, you know, it made me think, or it reminded me, that the whole process of gift-giving can be a bit of an issue sometimes, can't it? Especially when you're children, when you see all these things in the shops, or you look at this stuff on television, or you see everything that everyone else has got, and you want it. You want it all, all of it, everything you see. And then when Christmas arrives and you see all these things wrapped up under the tree and you can only imagine all there is for you. You know, all those things you've seen, all those things you've heard about, all those things you've been desiring for months and there they are all wrapped under the tree. Or so you think. Of course, as adults, we pretend that we're a little bit different to this, don't we? You know, we pretend we really don't mind about gifts. We're sort of like, oh, I don't really want anything. No, really, I don't. I don't, I don't mind what you get me. Get me what you want. Do you know, the gift that I want is just to be with you. Really, that's all I want. You know, I mean, it's true. Gifts do take on a different meaning when you're an adult. And we see them for what they are. They are just gifts from someone that we do love. So we want to be with them more. But it's not entirely true that we're so different from children, is it? I mean, that we don't mind what we get. We had a funny incident this Christmas. I was telling Paula and Pat about where my mum got this present that she really didn't want. It was a lovely scented candle in a big glass jar. My mum doesn't like scented candles, just in case anyone's thinking of buying her a gift. It's not her thing. And it was huge. And so she gave it to my sister. My sister doesn't like scented candles either. So my sister turned up with this gift and she went, I, don't, I really don't want this. Mum's given it to me. Do you want it? And I'm like, well, not really. I mean, you know, I'll have it, but 
I mean, I tell you what, we'll rewrap it and we'll put two mom from Kate and Jenny. So we rewrap this gift and we put it under the tree. And then Joshua hands it out. My mum's like, oh, this is very much like that. Um, and we just start laughing. And she went, it is that candle, isn't it? We're like, yeah. yeah. We go, so we go this candle, which was all very funny and hilarious. But then we went to see her last week. And she went, you never guess what, girls? I've been given another present. And she got the identical candle again. So now she has two of these gifts which she really doesn't like. And she's trying to get rid of. You see, receiving gifts can be an issue, whatever age we're at. And here in chapter 4 of the letter to the Ephesians in the Bible, we have a passage that talks about gifts, the gifts that are given to the church. And just like any other gift-giving event, it has proved to be problematic. Because when we look at this passage, it's easy to be drawn to the gifts that are listed here. Gifts of apostle and teacher and prophet and evangelist and pastor. Gifts that, if you've read anything about this passage, are often highlighted. In fact, they've been given a name. They've been given the name of the fivefold ministries of the church. That's what they've been called. Those things which every church should have to perform to maximum efficiency. And so it's easy to read this passage and to immediately focus on these things, on the apostles, on the prophets, on the evangelists, on the pastors, on the teachers, and to begin to think that these are the desired gifts, these are the important positions, these are the things that God has given above all else. And then based on these gifts and whether we feel we have them or we don't, it's easy to begin to make judgments as well about ourselves, about others, about the church that we're part of or other churches that we see. Until we begin to look at the gifts as the all-important factor. And the people who have those gifts become the all-important people in the church. The evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. And the people who don't have those gifts can become lesser than they should be. It becomes all about the gifts, all about the skills, all about the specific things that God has given. Or if you like, this passage can become all about the presence we do or do not have, depending on who we are. Which I don't think was the intended focus of these verses at all, and which certainly doesn't seem to be what Paul is getting at here. In fact, based on what has gone before, what we read last week about the unity and about living up to our calling, and based on the very peculiar section at the beginning of our reading today, the focus of the passage seems to be more on who gives the gifts and what the gifts are given for, rather than the gifts themselves. You see, at the beginning of our reading today, when Paul refers in verse 8 to Psalm 68, when he says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Paul's probably referring to Jesus. In the time of his writing, it's true that a lot of people would have seen this psalm as a reference to Moses, the going up and the gift-giving. They would have seen it as a reference to Moses because after the exodus from Egypt, Moses went up Mount Sinai and he came down with the gift of the Ten Commandments for the church, for the people of Israel. 
They might have seen that as a reference to him. But here in this letter, Paul seems to use it as a reference to Jesus, who being in a sense like Moses, after coming and achieving freedom for his people through his death on the cross, had gone up to heaven, taking his place as king in the heavenly realms in order to fill the whole universe, as Paul says here. But then instead of coming back down with gifts for the church, Jesus instead sent his Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God to the church today. First and most importantly, as his presence, the gift of his presence in the life of all believers. His Spirit present and active within every person to create a church full of life rather than a people who just got together on a Sunday and had a good time. A church that was full of life. God's generosity, if you like, poured out in the gift of his spirit within each and every person. And then Jesus, through his Holy Spirit within each person, sent specific gifts. Not just the gift of the spirit, but specific gifts. Gifts and skills to all people. Gifts such as those mentioned here. Apostle. Prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, those highlighted in these passages today and also those highlighted in other passages in the Bible that talk about gifts. And the reason he sent them, the reason he sent these gifts was not so that they could become all important. Oh, look at the gift I've got. It's a great one. You should try it. Not because they could become the thing that we focus on, the main point, the highlight But rather, the reason he sent them was so that they would be used. Jesus sent these gifts so that they would be used, so that they would be used to develop the life of the church. You see, Jesus sent his gifts first and foremost so that each and every one of us would grow. That's what the gifts are for, so that we would develop in our faith. Not remaining babies, or as this passage says, not remaining infants who are tossed back and forth by the waves, but rather becoming mature, mature human beings who are able to live lives worthy of the calling to follow Christ. Or as the Message Bible, a more contemporary translation says, to become fully mature adults, fully developed within and without fully alive in Christ. Do you know, there's a quote that, it's a very famous quote, and I really like it, and it's been attributed to a lot of people from um, a man called Chili Davis, who was an American baseball player, to Walt Disney. So we don't know really who said it. But the quote is this. It will appear on the screen in a moment. It says this. Growing old is mandatory. Growing up is optional. I'm sure that you'll have seen this quote, read this quote, and may quite like it. It's a quote which, of course, refers to our bodies getting old, which happens beyond our control, as well as how we develop in life, which can be up to us. You know, how we choose to grow and develop in our thinking, in our speaking, in our acting. We can grow old physically while remaining seemingly young, which can be a desired place to be. But we can also grow old physically while remaining immature as well. In a sense, we have no control over how our bodies grow old. We can do certain things, but at the end of the day, we're all going to grow old physically. 
but we do have control over how we develop as people. And we also have control over how we develop as the people of God as well. And therefore, it can be very easy for us to grow old without ever growing up in our faith. It can be really easy for us to know something about God, to believe what God has done, to follow him in certain ways, to come to church and to get involved in what's going on, but to never really grow mature in him, to never really develop, to never really stretch and deepen the faith that God has given us. And of course, the reason for this is that it's not very easy to do. It's hard to grow and it's hard to develop and it's hard to deepen our faith. It means that we have to take risks. It means that we have to put in time. It means that we have to put in effort. It means that we have to be devoted. It means that we sacrifice things to develop and grow a deep faith. One that can cope with challenges and questioning. One that doesn't fall apart at the first hurdle that we face. And for the young church in Ephesus, it took all the gifts mentioned in this passage for them to grow and develop. It took the apostles who were witnesses of the resurrection. And so they founded the church. It took the prophets who were able to speak in the name of the Lord to guide the people. It took the evangelists who were unwavering in their call to say this gospel is for everyone, not just Israel. To open up the kingdom of God. It took the pastors who nurtured these young Christians who didn't really know what to do. And it took the teachers whose teaching developed their understanding of Jesus and how to live. It took all of these gifts for this little church and the churches in that area of Ephesus to grow. And in the same way today, it takes all the gifts that God has given us so that we can grow to maturity both as individuals and as the family of God. So that rather than being a church that wavers when we need to help out and do things for people, or rather than be a church that stutters when questions are asked and we're not really sure, or rather than being a church that defends ourselves when actually we need to be open to others, we become a church that sets a course through the rough and the smooth. We take risks in our faith together. We keep reading and learning in our faith together. We question and we grapple and we discuss our faith. We sacrifice and we learn and we use the gifts that we have been given rather than hiding away and leaving it to someone else to do. So that we can become the fully functioning body of Christ. As Paul puts it, growing up into him who is the head, becoming mature. People who are able to bear witness to the resurrection and speak the wonderful grace of God to those around. But to do this, to be this church that God desires us to be, we need to first and foremost make sure that we're not only growing older, but we're also maturing and developing as well. We need to become fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive like Christ. Let's take a moment before we pray together.